Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back to Faith Walk. I am Minister Deidre Dent, and tonight is part one of a series titled Rotten Fruit. So just a quick brief background about Faith Walk. Faith Walk is a ministry outreach that emphasizes conversion, which is the need for repentance, uh, deliverance, which is being set free from strongholds, and wholeness, which is being a clean vessel, able to be instrumental to the kingdom with the spirit of excellence upon your life. And basically for all three of those phases, you need faith, and that is the complete faith walk. So tonight, our topic really hones in on the conversion aspect of faith walk. Nowadays, many people say, They are a Christian, and people post scriptures all day on social media, and in the same breath, they showcase a lifestyle contrary to the very title that they claim. So I want to clear up some confusion because I understand how it can be overwhelming for not only new believers, but even those that have been in the faith because they feel like they're judging, and it's become a mess. And so so when a police officer is arrested for committing a crime, the world is angered because these people are the examples of the law. Just like if a doctor is found guilty of poisoning his patients or even Dr. Kovokian, who was guilty of killing his patients, the world is also in an uproar. When an owner of a nonprofit who founded an organization to help the poor is caught stealing the funds, people are outraged. It's the hypocrisy of it. But when it comes to a person who says that they are a Christian or a minister and this same person is showcasing a lifestyle of sin, the world is silent. A lot of the world remains silent on this. The number of imposters in the church today is so great. It's so overwhelming that one of the number one saying has become, don't judge me. They say don't judge me because then you would have to compare the scriptures to the fruit that they are displaying, and it's not going to align. Not too long ago, I went to buy some apples, my, one of my favorite fruits. And when, I, when you're buying fruit, you know, you try to search for the healthiest appearance. You squeeze the fruit to make sure it's not too soft. You look at the outside of it. You can only go off of what you can see most of the time. And I like Fuji apples, so I'm looking and I'm trying my best to see through the bag, you know, the clear plastic bag to make sure that they're in good condition. So I get home the apple open, ready to pack up my daughter's lunch, and lo and behold, it was actually starting to rot. And I'm like, oh, they got me. I was frustrated because the outside of the apple deceived parents and ended up getting an apple that was already starting to rot. Because what I didn't know when I purchased those apples is that the bacteria or the fungus that started from the inside of the apple was growing and it would eventually corrode the outside of the apple. Rotten fruit gives off ethylene. You can't see it or you can't feel it. It starts from the inside, and as it corrodes the outside, it actually affects everything around it. We've heard of the saying, one bad apple spoils a bunch. It's a real process that takes place. And unfortunately, we have a lot of beautiful-looking rotting people sitting in the pews, serving on the board, contaminating everyone, misrepresenting the scriptures and basically bringing a reproach against the ministry. Second Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. 
behold, all things are become new. So my question is, if we are new creatures, where is the change? This is the emphasis. That this is emphasizing the conversion as where is the change? You know, in order for a, cattle, a caterpillar to become a butterfly, it goes through a change. It goes through a process, a metamorphosis. If I were to pick up a caterpillar and try to convince you that it was a butterfly, I would be laughed at. If I started a website called butterfly.com and put pictures of the caterpillar all over the website, people would say, okay, well, we're waiting for it to change. But you know what? That's the same way we look when we try to justify those that bear no fruit. And our fruit is our resemblance to our Father. It's our resemblance to our bloodline. Matthew chapter 7 tells us that we shall know them by their fruit. So Jesus was already giving us the way for us to recognize who is a part of the kingdom. It's by their fruit. You know, my nephews, they all have these big, beautiful puppy eyes. That their eyes are just so gorgeous, and you could put them miles away from each other. As soon as you see their eyes, you would link them up. You would know instantly they're related. And they they have their father's eyes. They're all linked. They're family. Now, if I went out here and I, and, I, and I found a stranger in the street, someone's child, and I sent him to my brother's house and said, come get your son, they would look at me like I was crazy. They would say, who is this child? We don't know him. And that's what is going on, but you have believers that are afraid to open their mouths against sin because of fear of being disliked. If you are one of us, there should be fruit being displayed. If we are who we say we are, we have to have resemblance of who we are related to. Galatians 5, 22-25 tells us what those fruits are. And you can read that on your time. It, it breaks down love, joy, suffering, and et cetera. These are the traits that we share as children of God. So when it comes to our peace, our love, and our joy, we don't get that from the world. The world may find their peace in reading fortune cookies and looking at horoscopes, but there's no way in the world, as a Christian, you should be asking somebody what is their sign. And if somebody asks you what your sign is, that is a wonderful opportunity for you to let them know that you are not under this law of sin. Okay. When we look at our joy, we don't find our joy in backbiting and spreading gossip and tearing people down. That's where the world finds their joy. Our joy is found in the Lord. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when you're looking at these traits and you're looking at where you draw your strength from, does it align up with the word? Where is the fruit? Galatians five nineteen through 21 tells us the works of the flesh, fornication, idolatry, envy, lasciviousness. It goes on and on just to name a few. And what you can do is you can look in Galatians at the works of the flesh and look at the fruit, and then you tell me, what are we displaying or what is someone else displaying, regardless of what their mouth is telling you. So if I'm saying with my mouth, I'm a minister, I'm a saint, I'm an example, I'm a servant of Christ, but in my actions, I'm showing you that I'm fornicating. I'm showing you that I'm backbiting. I'm showing you that I'm sleeping with somebody else's spouse. I'm showing you that I'm, that I'm stirring up confusion. What am I? The answer is simple. I'm an imposter. Philippians 2, 5 said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So when we are converted, everything about us should be different. There's a wave of celebrities claiming to be Christians because you have so many pastors now with so many mega churches that are opening their doors and they're not preaching conversion. Nothing in these lifestyles have changed. 
And not all changes happen instantaneously because the deliverance is a process. So some things will fall off of you immediately, and some things require fasting and praying. It is up to you to go after every sin and weight that easily besets you. You have to work out your own soul salvation in what? Fear and trembling like Paul instructed us to. Strongholds just don't fall off of you. You know, if you're grandfather was an alcoholic and your uncle was an alcoholic and your siblings are alcoholic and you were alcoholic, you may have to turn your plate down and go after that generational demon that has had a stronghold on your family line. Not only will you have to go after, but you have to take provision. So you may not be able to go to a restaurant if the only seat you can get is at the bar. Because that is your sin and weight that easily besets you. We have to take responsibility for those things that we know can cause us to go back out into the world. First John 2.16 breaks down the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. It talks about when we lust and after the flesh, because we care more about our outer appearance than what's on the inside. We as a nation put so much emphasis on what we look like. We are really good at the appearance and keeping up appearances and looking like we have it all together. Even those apples, food producers use shellac on apples. It makes them shiny, it makes them look pretty, and they fool you, and then you buy an apple and get home and it's rotten. Just like people, sometimes we choose jobs off of what it looks like on paper. We choose partners and spouses and relationships off of what these people look like off of what they presented only to know them not only were they already rotten on the inside, but now that corrosion is now affecting us. It goes into the lust of the eyes because we basically walk in the direction that we look. You're not going to be looking to your right and walk to your left unless your equilibrium is off. We're going to walk in the direction that we're looking. I love vision boards. Vision boards are wonderful. I have one. You know, people, even sinners understand that, out of sight, out of mind. If you can look at it and you can remind yourself of it, you can focus, you can accomplish your goal. That's why the scripture says look towards the hill from which cometh your help. If you look up, that's the direction that you're going. And when it gets into the pride of life, the, the only problem with success is when you think you found it without God. Because we think success is our salary, our net worth our investment portfolio, but success is completing God's will because when we all lay our heads down and we don't wake up again, we all have to stand before the judgment seat. We're only going to hear one or two answers. We're either going to hear, well done, or depart from me. I never knew you. And if you get a depart from me, you were not successful. You did not do anything you were sent down here to do. So be careful of the self-help books and the the chanting and the meditation. I hear a lot of Christians self-help. I can do this, and I am able, and I am powerful, and I am this. You know what that sounds like? Sounds like Lucifer. When everything is I, 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 Isaiah 14 tells us what he said. He said, I will ascend. I will exalt my throne. I will this and I will that. And if you want to anger God, try to take his glory. Try to take his glory and, and see where that see where that gets us. So we have to be careful. We have to be mindful of that. That's why when the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it's not about clearing your mind. You don't want an open mind. You don't want to sit there and clear your mind and change. You want to meditate on the scriptures. It's important what you're feeding into your spirit. That's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Replace your eye with Christ. Replace them. 
you know, James 3, 10 through 12 talks about our speech. And it talks about out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So right there, we can't have a double tongue. So that means when you cut me off in traffic, I can't curse you out. No matter how upset I am, I can't talk to you like that. Why? Because my mind has been renewed. My mind has been changed. You know, my mother always taught me that you are the real you when no one is watching. It's good to be in church and it's good to shout and feel the spirit and everyone is saved and sanctified. But when you go home, that door and you close those curtains, that's who you really are. And that's the you that God is seeing even when you are shouting in front of everyone. Everything that we as Christians, we tell people we are tried on that same word. I'm tried on everything I speak on. The name of my outreach is Faith Walk. Believe you me, I am being tried and tested on what I said that God gave me. And it's interesting because God, people do take God's grace and mercy for granted. We can frustrate his grace. And it, I remember being in grade school and my mom telling me, don't make me come to that school because I would pop up on you in the hallway. That just, it just shook my day. I was uncomfortable. I was in the hallway like, oh, God, she's going to pop up. I was on my best behavior. But, see, a lot of people that call themselves Christians, they can act a fool because, God, they don't feel his presence. When you feel God's presence, there is a difference in the way you act. They don't feel his presence. Could it be because he's been grieved and he's withdrawn himself? Because, see, a lot of people get that scripture messed up. God stays married to the backslider. That does not give you permission to sin. What that scripture means is his love for you is never failing. It does not mean that you have a permission to go back into the world and to pick up old habits like a dog returning to his vomit. He will withdraw himself from you. So when we get into the Holy Spirit and we're, and we're talking about how we're using our tongue, because he gave us the power of life and death in our tongue, we can use it, use it to tear down and cause division. Or we, use, we can use it to build and plant a seed. That's why we have to be careful what we're feeding into our spirits and what we're looking at, how we talk about you walk in the direction that you're looking. So if you're praying for peace in your home, so let's say you're watching all of love and hip-hop and you're watching all these reality shows and all their breeding is discord and fighting and arguing, you're actually sowing that seed into you. When that seed grows into a tree, eat an entire tree of discord, of strife, but you were praying for peace. So you're actually working against yourself. That's why we have to be careful what we put into our spirit. Ephesians 5, 7, 8, and 11, it talks about, Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Some people this is another misquote of scripture. This does not mean that you should be hanging in the same place as you were hanging before you got saved. You have to be a difference. You have to be a light. If someone is coming to you and they are telling you that they are a Christian or they are a minister and they are doing the exact same thing they were doing 10 years ago, you have to take it to the word. It's not up for you to judge them. You take it to the scriptures and see what the scripture says about it. Because Ephesians 4, 29 through 30 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to use of the edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Here it is, in verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. 
So when we are in the state of practicing sin, it is now an iniquity, and there remaineth no sacrifice. So now we're grieving the Holy Spirit. He's withdrawn his presence from us, and now we're actually bringing a reproach against the church. And this is why so many people are confused. They can't tell what's real from what's fake because the church has down, and they have allowed sin to infiltrate the pulpit. So if we can't produce fruit, we are as useless as those apples that I had to throw away. And John fifteen two tells us that any branch that doesn't bear fruit will be taken away. It is dangerous, God, and unrighteousness. God says, be hot or cold, because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. We have to examine ourselves. See, you can't be afraid to offend people because we are obligated to speak the word even if it costs us a friendship, a relationship. It can't matter because the Bible says preach the word in season and out of season. It's not always a popular thing to say. But tonight we draw a line in the sand. If you have people in your life that are professing salvation, and they are bearing no fruit. It is your responsibility to show them in the word. You cannot worry about who likes you and who doesn't like you and who doesn't want to see you coming because, see, that's the first thing you have to get over. What did Jesus say? He said, they hated me without a cause. He came down and he pulled the cloak off their sin, and that's the same reason the world is going to hate us. But we can't, we can't fix anything. We have to look inwardly. We have to check ourselves to make sure it's not something that we're holding on to. It's not something that we don't want to give up. Because as long as you're holding on to something, God can't take it from you. I love what I heard an elder say. He said, when you're trying to get rid of something, you have to open your hand and let it go. Because if God were to take it from you, that would, that would, he would be stealing and God is not a thief. He don't take anything from you. You have to willingly give it up to him. So not everyone that claims to be a part of the kingdom is telling the truth. So let's stop calling everyone Christians. Let's stop doing that right now because what we're doing is, is we are enabling the imposters. So let's stop doing that. Let's take it to the word. Let's first examine ourselves. It's not for us to go put on a judge's robe and sit up here and send people to hell. We don't have that authority. But what we can do is we can look in the word. We can try the spirit by the spirit. We can look at the fruit. We can pray, and we can examine ourselves. So that's the only portion that we're going to get into tonight because I'm mindful of the time, but part two, we're actually going to hear God's thoughts on this manner and why he allows certain things to happen and what his final decision is because his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. God has a plan for everything. So we're going to get very detailed into what God's final decision is about this because God makes a clear separation between the sinner and the ungodly. There is a distinct difference and people need to be aware of that the sinner and the ungodly, two different categories. So we're going to get into that in part two. I will be following up on this topic with a Facebook Live video, and uh, Faith Walk will also be diving into other issues. We're going to talk about a lot. We're going to talk about why the church is silent on abortion. We're going to talk about why the gospel industry has been infiltrated. We are definitely going there. And if you want to know the truth, you are more than welcome to come with me. I just want to end in a moment of prayer and reflection. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, we pray that you would show us, God, to help us turn our eyes inward, God, to search us, God, for anything, God, that would hold us back from fulfilling your will, God, that you would give us eyes to see the truth, that you would give us the courage and the boldness, God, 
not to try to fit in with the world, God, but to show them who you are, God, even if it costs us something, God. We thank you, God, for giving us the courage to call out sin, God, because anything that we have to give up would have taken us straight to hell. And we thank you for giving us the boldness to know, God, that whatever we give up, God, you will multiply for us, God, for our good. Show us what we need to work on so that we can be the example that you called us to be, God, so that we will not only not be lukewarm, but when we have family members and friends and people that we care about, they're on their way to heaven, we won't be afraid to show them the truth and to stand on the word in Jesus' name. You know, I want to end tonight on a quote. I love this quote. Oh, my God, it, it really makes you think. And it's by a famous pastor, and he said, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And I want us to think about that. If you were accused of being a Christian, if you were on trial for being a Christian, let's, let's look at it that way, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would you be found not guilty? Have a blessed night.